A cold war has begun in Dunai, thanks to Vestius Creed. Find out more on the next episode of By Gods and Kings. Now out on Amazon, By Gods and Kings, Crystalline Dawn. This single-player scenario arc follows the story of Sorosa as she travels through Southern Quar on behalf of the Haishin merchants. Collecting shards, weapons, more power, and even allies to fight alongside her, Follow along as Sarosa travels through the Crojan Echo and all the way up to Dern. By Gods and Kings, Crystal and Dawn is the first of our single-player scenarios with much more to follow. Purchase it now on Amazon. By Gods and Kings takes place in the fictional world of Dunai. For more information on By Gods and Kings or any of the products affiliated with it, please check out our website at www.bygodsandkings.com. With Vesey's decree, the gods had to get more creative. Their realms were no longer attached to deny directly, but instead hovered over it and formed almost like a donut. Each god was still allowed to come and go as they pleased. They could still enter Dunai whenever they felt like it. Their followers, however, could not. Prior to Vesey's decree, the followers of the gods could venture into the independent god realms. They could come and go and they could worship as they chose, but because of Vesey's decree, they no longer could do this. Followers, abbots, and priests could no longer venture into the realms and converse directly with the gods. The gods would have to come to them. However, an exception was made for the high priest. The singular high priest for an order could venture into the realm of the gods through a portal, and many of these were found inside the grand temples. Vesey's decree changed a great deal of the landscape of Dunai. Man had always been second to the gods in every way, shape, and fashion in Dunai, but now that the gods no longer resided there with their realms connected, man was allowed to get a bit of a foothold, was able to start establishing cities and, and the like. However, the gods made sure that they had their presence in these cities. Man was not allowed to function independently away from the gods. The gods still had their thumb on the scales, and that was by absolute design. However, other things needed to change as well, things that were against what Vesia initially intended for. Cities had always existed in Denai, along with villages and towns, and etc. There were always places in which people would congregate, and the grand temples typically existed inside the cities where the humans and unlike would worship. Uh, for example, Phalaris had his grand temple in Telerafel, Tahar had hers in Yark, uh, Malaris had his in Brile, the list goes on and on. Now those cities had a bit more of a worldly presence, um, with the gods not residing there with the exception of Malaris. Malaris was allowed to reside in Brile, even though his realm, Lacarus, was detached from denied like the rest of the realms. Even before the realms were divided, Malarus resided in Brile with his subjects. He actually loved his subjects, unlike the rest of the gods. He immersed himself with them. His, their love and adulation fueled him. It gave him purpose, something that he didn't expect when he left Tangresia. However, even though the gods had a presence in the human cities with their grand temples, the power of man started to grow, and the greed and ambition of man started to multiply. These cities would start trade with one another, they would do many things, they would start wars, they would recruit, they would raise armies, they would do things that would cause them to grant gain power and to subjugate their enemies away from that of the gods. And this was not something Vesia intended. Vesia intended on separating the gods but trying to keep the status quo. She wanted to stop the wars between the gods, but instead she started a secondary war between man as well as a cold war between the gods. 
The gods never stopped openly feuding with one another. They just simply went cold. There were still battles between followers and between priests and abbots and whatnot, but they would be a bit more of a rare occurrence versus the wars of man were now more commonplace. The thing that Vesia also did not see was that the gods were actually amplifying the power of man and their armies to do war on their behalf. One of the things specifically, and you will see this in Crystal and Dawn, the single player work that we've just released, is that there is a place in Southern Core called Bortol where they are devout worshippers of Darien, the god of order. They are a warrior tribe who is bent on actually waging war with the heretics and non-believers and followers of other gods. Their whole purpose is to destroy any influence of any outside god and to amplify the might and influence of Darien. This is all because of Vesia removing Darien's influence immediately from the realm in his realm of Dolbach, and instead, now he's having to actually influence man, which is something he is very, very good at. As we're doing these, we're trying not to spoil our future works and what we're trying to reveal with the gods and whatnot. And as we've just released Crystal and Dawn, I'm trying not to spoil Darien because he has a very large, prominent presence in it. Um, so I'm not really going to give too much into his psyche and whatnot. But as I just said a few moments ago, Darian is very good at manipulating and he's a very good talker. He's very good at motivating. And you're going to see that in Crystal and Dawn, the way he interacts with Sarosa. But I digress. We're not going to get any further with that. Let's go more back to how we're talking about the God's presence on man and man's presence without the gods. Prior to the gods leaving, there was already the presence of underworld organizations that existed underneath the fabric of Dunai. They're always going to exist. Mafiosos exist in society today. However, we talked about the ambitions and power of man. These underworld organizations started to amass power away from the gods. The gods tried to influence cities as best they could, and they did so successfully. The gods had very little to do with the underworld organizations. They had very little to do with the Haitian merchants and Korostas, as well as the consortium, the three organizations that arose first from the ashes. With the gods trying to influence the cities as well as the underworld organizations doing the same, all trying to amass power using the cities as vessels, there was a lot at stake in Dunai at this point. The gods had to take action and the followers were then forced to wage war against the underworld organization as well. The Haitian merchants were at constant war with Tirdrit, still are in Crystal and Dawn. Korostas had to operate in the shadows, being the primary slave traders of Dunai. The consortium, the elite assassins that came out of the Merdul arena, had to operate away from the eyes of a god. So in the end, the repercussions of what Vesia did by removing the gods and the gods' realms created such a power dynamic shift that Dunai changed in the blink of an eye. There was something else that Vesia did not see coming. The gods, knowing a loophole, created soldiers called God-touched servants. These servants had their essence bound to Dunai directly, thus they were immortal and remarkably powerful. In the next episode, we're going to talk more about the God-touched servants and how they shifted the dynamic back to the gods. Hey everybody, thanks again for listening to the Bygods and Kings podcast. For more information on Bygods and Kings, you can always visit our website at www.bygodsandkings.com. But hey, you can also find us on Twitter, at Bygods and Kings. You can also find us on Facebook and even Reddit. We look forward to giving more content to you guys. You guys have a great afternoon. We'll see you on the other side.